Hi, my name is John Katsavos and welcome to the Fitness Oracle. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about the secret of how to drop 10 to 15 pounds and keep it off with complete ease. I've created a free three-part video series for you that explains what the three biggest mistakes people make when they're working out and limits them to the results that they're going after. I am also going to help you get all the details about how you can immediately sign up to the 21 day caveman challenge, which is a do it for you workout program. This has been developed by me for over 11 years of my experience as a professional personal trainer. So go ahead, put in your name and your primary email address, click the link in the show notes below right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people just like you, with real stories just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Daria Albers from the Mindful Athlete Program. She is a former professional kickboxer with a degree in physiotherapy and psychology. She is now a mindfulness teacher, mental performance coach, and striking, striking coach for MMA. She is also the founder of the Mindful Athlete Program. Daria, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, John. I'm excited to be here for our conversation. I'm happy uh, for you to be on here. So uh, how was your last fight? How was my last fight or when was my last fight? How was so the last fight that you had with, uh, with your last fighter? So... We're going right into the topic. Um, my last fight was actually where I felt good until I started to cut the weight. And uh, it, is, uh, it was five years ago. I'm 36 now, so I was uh, 31 by then. Uh, but yeah, I had quite a, an amount of fights and I cut down too much over my career. And later in my career, it got harder and harder and harder. So my last fight was, uh, I lost it on points. So it was okay. It was a tournament. It was one of the biggest tournaments in the world, in the Netherlands, in K1. So all good. But I delivered maybe 30% because my body was so drained. So weight cut issues and general issue for all fighters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yesterday, you actually posted a very interesting video on Facebook on mindset and change. Mm. So how's that, that actually going for you? And what's the difference between mindset and brain function? So, you know, like, so that's, oh man, we're going deep. Because, <laughs> you know, there are different people will tell you different things, right? About the brain and mind. There's a lot of neuroscientists will say, we don't make a difference even between brain and mind, which I agree to and then also uh, people who are maybe more into spiritual practices or into Buddhist philosophy they would say there is a difference between the brain and mind and I would say that's right <laughs> so I agree to both and I think it's kind of both and we don't know right so but in general we know that structural changes in the brain will change your mind your mindset but also 
when you change your mind, right? Your thought, you're voluntarily, deliberately changing your thoughts and your emotions. You, with that, you change your mind. With that, you change your brain structures, right? So it's both. And I think it's always like uh, physiology and uh, what we do with it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, as a fighter, how would you mentally prepare yourself for a fight? That depends very much of the personality you have, the character you have, your story. And I think that's what actually a lot um, people don't understand, right? There's no, that's like a, yeah, you know, I'm the founder of the Mindful Athlete Program. <laughs> I'm a mental performance coach. That's exactly the hard part, but also the exciting part in my work that you, you can't, there's no uh, recipe in English. It's a recipe, right? For like, you can't, cook the right recipe like everybody has his, his own and um but in general it's always mind body spirit right so you prepare your body you need to have your techniques your strategy right your strength everything your nutrition right um you need to have great spirit right a purpose a meaning and yeah your mind right so it's those three things always like this triangle and then yeah it, it depends really Cool, cool. Uh, as a coach, how would you how would you help a fighter um, mentally prepare? Because I know we had a conversation earlier before where uh, the, the 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 current fighter that you coached, who's the retaining champion right now, was mm-hmm. having a little bit of a thing. I'm not. Let's not name any names because I yes, don't want exactly. to name any names. And You'd be mad just, at me, maybe. You'd I think mad. he's going to get mad at you, and I don't want anybody getting mad at anybody right now. So exactly. How would you like help um, a fighter? Because you and I both know that it's 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 really stressful going into a competition, knowing that you're going to really get your head pounded by the other guy or girl on the other side. So. Mm-hmm. As a coach, what would some of the tips and tricks that you would use to help them um, maintain that mental acuity to uh, keep going? Hmm. I mean, for example, this fighter, right? The current champion. Um, so he came to me and he was already a top level fighter, uh, very skilled, very accomplished but he definitely has some problems with emotional regulation, right? And his ego is still in very strong. So he was, for example, externally driven for most of his career. But then when he made it to the top, he understands now that uh, the external, because when, when you're just exter- or mostly externally driven, it's hard on the top because it's get harder and harder and harder. You can get pretty far, right? We know that. Like, it can be very motivating when you know, okay, you want to make a hundred thousand or whatever, a million. It can motivate you, but like, it's not necessary purpose and meaningful, right? And with them, for example, I work with uh, emotional regulation, with focus, but in in general, you know, and that's something I uh, remind people on when I teach my workshops also. They're body-based and they're mind-based exercises, right? Or techniques. So it's always the mind-body connection. It's not when I do a mental performance, even so when I'm a kickboxing coach, I always have some mental stuff in it. And when I teach them mentally, I always have some physical stuff with it, right? It goes together. The mind and body is a unity. And as a coach, you need to understand that 
some people react more on the mind-based exercise, like cognitive, rational, they need to talk through, uh, for example, NLP, uh, different things, right? More, let's say, cognitive, rational stuff. And there are uh, people or fighters who need more um, body-based exercises, like breathing exercises, like everything around the nervous system, right? To calm down the nervous system or arouse it more, depends what they need, right? And I think that's super important to understand as a coach. Both is really important. Both, you need to work with both. And you need to find out what is it? Is it more a mental thing, like mental cognitive that someone is like overthinking, for example, like overanalyzing, overthinking, and then going down this rabbit hole of like thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. We know that, right? We all have that. You don't have to be a fighter. It's a natural function of our crazy brain to overthink, especially we have such a bias to negativity, right? We're so biased. It's like Velcro. And uh, there's a saying actually that uh, we're like Velcro to negative and like Teflon <laughs> to positive, right? And so, uh, yeah, yeah, I always get, get off that. But uh, yeah, that's just, uh, it's, it's hard. Like, right? So you have to understand if it's, um, it's a more mental cognitive thing or is it more a somatic anxiety, for example, that someone has, like, is it, is it the body? And that helps already because then you know, okay, you can some, do something for the mind or you can do something for the body. And uh, eventually in the best way you do both. That's awesome. So let's say somebody walks into a boardroom meeting mm -hmm. and they're like overstressed because this meeting is like, quote unquote, life or death. Like they don't have an experienced life or death because it's mm -hmm. like you haven't walked into an octagon or a ring. So you don't know what it feels like. But what are some tips that you could give somebody that is like overstressed because of this so-called meeting that they could mm -hmm. use beforehand so they're not um, mumbling over their, you know, words? Yeah. For example, like uh, you, you said that people think, yeah, it's true. Like physically, we're not going into the octagon. So hopefully in the board meeting, nobody will punch our face because it went really wrong. <laughs> it depends what kind of company that might be. But uh, so when you go into the board meeting, like psychologically, there's no difference if you go into the cage, right? It's still like our, our deep evolutionary primed systems are activated fight or flight right we're in stress response and um, there are a few things what uh, you can do immediately so for example you go you are about to go in and you feel like when you get a bit of more body awareness by time which we should assume everybody should work on that a little bit right but let's say you have this kind of awareness because you feel like you're sweating right you're sweating, you're, maybe your hands get cold, your heart rate is up. Like, con try to connect to your body, right? When you have those internal stuff going on, so you, your nervous system is extremely on fire, right? It's all in, in fight. Your sympathetic nervous system is overactive. Your thoughts are racing, right? Your amygdala, so your emotional center is active, right? First thing, connect to your body. And people are like, how do I connect to my body, right? It's like, really, go into this and start with feeling your feet on the floor. Like, start with that. And go through the body. Just the feeling, because people think, oh, this is stupid. It doesn't work. But 
obviously you train it right you know i'm not teaching you that once you, you are like about to go into the boardroom right you 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 train it before so you connect to your body in a way like what are the body sensations that's a very very powerful practice and it's called like a mindfulness called the body scan in yoga it's called a yoga nidra so there are very nice practices you can do and in connecting to the body you calm down the stress response because first you you get out of your head into your body literally and the brain can't do everything at once right stress 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 and think and at the same time really bring your attention to to your body sensations so that that's one thing and another thing what i like to do mm, is breathing and vision those are two things in general right when we uh when we have an autonomic arousal which is then in the moment of the fight a response from the sympathetic nervous system, right? We're in high arousal. There are two things we can control in general, our breathing and our vision. And I teach people, and I teach it also in my Mindful Athlete program, how to put that together. So in general, it is when you want to calm down your arousal level, you want to prolong the exhale, right? So you inhale through the nose, exhale through the mouth, right? let's say, right? So you can a short inhale, a long exhale, right? And when you, when you want to upgrade, right? Arouse your, your um, nervous system, you inhale long and you have a short exhale, right? So let's say here before the board meeting, we want to chill out a little bit, right? So short inhale and long exhale, right? You do it a few times. You can do it three times, five times, 10 times, right? Long, 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 right? So you can see now I'm aroused, right? <laughs> because I would need it. My exhale is not the longest right now, right? Because I'm here on stage basically. But that, and that already itself works very well. But additionally, we can use our eyes. So we have two di different, um, different functions in general. We have the central vision and the peripheral vision, right? Two functions. We have more functions, but let's uh, keep it easy for now. So... When we are in fight, like really in the sympathetic nervous activation, we're all about center version. Because when we were still in caves, right? When we were about to fight, we needed to find the focus. When everything is blurry, nothing, right? We get the tunnel vision, basically. So, and when you are in this, about to go into the sport meeting, that's what you feel then, right? You're like completely in fight or flight. You're so in this tunnel vision, you don't see anything else. It's just the people, oh my God, and you can't even focus on anything else, right? You can activate your peripheral vision. With that activation, so you can actually have a, we call it also a soft gaze. So you find something to look at in front of you, like a few meters in front of you, but you activate peripheral vision, so you, want to see the sides, right? You can wiggle the fingers, you can move your fingers around, like to really activate. And with that, right, the peripheral vision activation and the long exhale, it will help you very well in like in one minute, two minutes, and you you can calm down your nervous system. That was a long explanation. No, <laughs> Sorry no, for that. No, I think but, that was perfect because that's exactly what we teach in Sistema. Like if you if hmm. um, we actually teach uh, connecting, which we're going to get into connecting the mind body, but we do it through breathing. So you're connecting your your body with your movements, your breathing mm -hmm. with your movements. Mm, so yeah. it's 
so it, it's it's really interesting. Um, so that was a perfect explanation. Um, what actually got you? We're shifting gears a little bit. We'll come back mm-hmm. to this a little bit later, and mm-hmm. just, uh, but we're just going to shift gears a little bit here. Uh, what caught you into martial arts in the first place? I always tell this story and that guy who's involved in the story told me, don't mention my name in the podcast because we're fine now. But uh, yeah, so I met a guy when I was young and he, um, I did a little bit, I did judo when I was younger and I did all kinds of different sports and then I stopped it and I got very overweight. And I started dating that guy and he basically told me one day after we dated and you know how it is when you're young, you think that's the prince, you will marry him. This is the boy of my life. I planned already my whole life, right? I wasn't really in love. And then he basically told me on a date, say, Dario, you're such a beautiful face. I'm like, wow, wow, this is amazing. This goes so good. It's a really funny story actually. And he's like, and you're so smart. I'm like, wow, oh my God. And he said, but you know, you really, like, he basically, you know, sorry to say, but he said, you fat. And wow, that, I can tell you that crushed me. And uh, so we didn't talk for a few years, (laughs) but he was a kickboxer and he told me back then, oh, I'm doing kickboxing, whatever. And then I was like, I, I don't know, whatever it was, I think it's like somehow the life and the universe wanted to save me, my life, because it did. It saved kind of literally my life. I went into the gym where he trained and I said, hmm, then my ego came in and I was like, okay, I'll be better than him until I found out he was a world champion in kickboxing. <laughs> so it took me a few more years to get on his level, but I got there eventually. And uh, yeah, that, that's how I started. I just walked into the gym. I was like, this hurt young girl who then and then I lost in the first year I lost uh, I think 25 kilos that's like a lot a lot of weight so that's that's impressive what would you what would you say to a a young woman out there or a young guy out there that's considering getting into the sport are you asking me that question I am asking (laughs) do it do it <laughs> right now i mean it's it's martial arts and it's uh like look i live mma we talked about that before i live kickboxing and mma i like the striking part of the mma i'm a striking coach and i i think i learned over the last 20 years in, in this sport to live that philosophy obviously not at the beginning because i didn't know so much about martial arts philosophy but i grew into it and i think I'm growing slowly into a kind of real martial artist, which is whatever that means, right? It's relatively, but the philosophy, like when you treat, if it doesn't matter what kind of martial arts, right? When you treat it as a philosophy, as a lifestyle, it's just an amazing sport to be in for everybody. It doesn't matter if you will be ever doing a professional or amateur fight or whatever, nothing, right? You can just train. It's, it's an incredible sport. So I would say if someone considers this, it's already in your head. And if it's not in your head now, I hopefully now it is. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> no, I love my sport. It's a great sport. So. That's awesome. Uh, there's, uh, it's unquestionable that so many people out there agree with you. Because uh, if you see the, the explosion of the UFC, Bellator, uh, K1, yeah. and all the other yeah. forms, 
mixed martial arts. I mean, yeah, it's evolved. It's like boxing, but evolved boxing. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's like really like MMA, um, all of those sports, they evolved so amazingly technically wise. We talked about that too also lately, that it, it's just like so incredible to see a sport evolve so fast. And they're the young, super motivated, extremely talented and gifted, skilled guys who like, they're just complete athletes by now, right? Also mentally. I feel like it's almost a joke for 15 years ago and now. It's, I, I feel like when I sometimes, the guys I train or I trained with also towards the end of my career, it's a whole different breed of fighters now. It's a whole, yeah, it's amazing and um, it's incredible. And me, myself, and I always say that, that martial arts saved my life, literally, because I had a lot of um, mental issues in my life. I had anxieties, I had a really strong depression and you never get really completely over it, right? I'm not like, oh, gone. But I have to, I have tools now, I have techniques now to work with it. And uh, it was a long path, but martial arts and uh, yeah, my sport, main role in that recovery, definitely. That's very interesting. Because um, I went through about a depression and again, like, just like you, like, um, Martial arts saved my life and so did the gym, like just being active. Yeah. Why do you think that would be? So many different reasons, right? Look, um, the people, you get out, you see the people, you have a group of people, you get back, you have a structure, you go, you have like three times a week or seven times a week. Like in my very depressed, depressed phases, you saw me like seven times a week in the gym. <laughs> right this is the dopamine release endorphin release it's that it's the energy right on an energetic level when you talk about the chakras right so we can go from spiritual like really the whole spectrum from like like heart science to really spiritual practices right it's like it's just unbelievable it raises your energy levels it it uh, like the neurotransmitters like i said like you release so many positive hormones, transmitters. Like it's just like, it's, it's a complete changer of, of the state, of the mental and uh, physical state. And like I said, also um, like when we started to talk, also depression and all those feelings, right? They start as mind and body. Like, and that's why when you go to the gym, it's, <laughs> it just like activates all of your systems. Yes, it does. Um, have sure. you ever... the ultimate therapy? Sorry, it's the ultimate therapy, definitely. Yeah, uh, and it also helps build up your self confidence in yourself as well. Yeah, very, yeah, yeah. How would you control that? Like, as a coach, like, how would you control somebody's self confidence from getting too out of hand where it starts to affect the ego? That's, you know, that's actually, <laughs> I think as a MMA striking coach, I do not have to worry so much about that because the trainings partners of that fighter will take care about that, right? <laughs> that's a good thing when you have a spar, right? When you go, like when my boys spar, right? When they spar really hard, there's no place for ego. There's like, there's 
yes, at the beginning you might have, and some fighters, even like until like when they're top level, even the UFC fighters, some have more ego, some have less ego, right? So there will be always like some differences in, 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 the, in the guys, but, or the girls. But um, in general, that's a very humbling sport. Like fighting sport, when you get punched and kicked in the face, elbowed in the face, kneed in the face or in the ribs or whatever, it's just itself very humbling. And uh, so sooner or later, like physically, right? But then also mentally, because that's a sport where you always will meet someone who's better, stronger, faster. Like that's just uh, such a natural thing. I don't actually have to... Mm, talk with my guys too much like they don't have like the current champion might have a little bit of an issue with that but it brought him there right it brought him to one of the top level polish fighters and uh really great uh but he's now changing too he's doing the transition to find more meaning more purpose or a different kind of meaning in his uh in his um, fight fighter identity right um, but I think that's not the problem. It's, it's more the other way that um, the young fighters right now too less confidence. Like, it, and it's not too humble. It's just really like lost, lost because they grow up in a world where everything is kind of crazy. So yeah, it's more the other way. Uh, I have to build them up. Okay, cool. Uh, we have a way. Um, um, always uh, like we have this one place in Russia that we go to in Sistema. Uh, the guy who like quote unquote invented system, uh, Michael Rabko, mm -hmm. he humbles you really fast. Yeah. <laughs> One good punch, humbling, humbling experience. Yeah. Um, have you yeah. ever felt like quitting? How many? Let me see. I'm 36. How many days old I am? <laughs> No, you can say maybe maybe half of my life. <laughs> Let's say every, yeah, yeah, half of my life every other day. So what? Uh, because that's kind of like um, it's a little bit of my. So you would now. So my mom would uh, disagree now because she said this is not how you grow up. <laughs> But no, my mom was extremely supportive and my dad too. So because like when you're not confident or when you feel like you quit, when people say you don't have the champion's mentality, right? I learned to have it, but it was a long way. I didn't have it by nature. And I really, I struggled for the first 20 years of my life so strongly. And I still like, it's the same with the depression or the anxiety. It's, it's mostly, it doesn't go away, right? It's part of your personality. And uh, yeah. So often, but the difference now is that um, prior in my life, I didn't have techniques and tools. And that's why I dedicate my heart and my soul to what I do, to mental performance training. And because it's not just with the athletes, it's like with everybody to, to teach them tools and techniques and, and all of us skills so we can learn. because people don't understand look you don't get an mma or a kickboxing champion without a good coach how do you why do you expect to be a champion in your mindset without the coach right without the tools with the skills when you go to train when you go to do strength training you usually if you don't know anything about that you get a trainer <laughs> and because you have to learn the skills we're not born with some skills we're born yeah we're born with an amazing brain and body so we have 
we have already like um, the the tools, great tools, but then we need to learn some more skills, right? So yeah. What keeps you going? Like I mean, like most people would be like, well, you know what? Like, what's the point of all this? I mean, it's happened to me. Like like you said, like it happens almost uh, on every other day. Yeah. Yeah, especially especially when you do new things, right? Out of your comfort zone. And yeah. uh, But even like, it's actually not totally right because sometimes when you're in this mindset, really like, oh, I, I don't want, like I want to quit. It's also because you lack a meaning or purpose, right? So it can be because you do all the time new things and you're overwhelmed by that. I'm like that, for example, by nature. Ooh, when you throw me a new things, like we talk about technology, for example, oh my goodness, it freaks me out. Like all the new things I have to do right now. And uh, because I'm learning a lot about technology. And so, so yes, but then on the other hand, it's like when you have no meaning, no purpose in your life, nothing to live up to, do not on star, of course you feel like quitting every day because there's, there's just nothing to get up to. But um, I think that, and there comes here, here comes neuroplasticity, right? We can change our brain step by step, right? We can rewire our brain. And we need to understand that like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we didn't even think about that in science, but now we know, right? And it's in general like that, that around until 25, our brain almost learns passively, right? You just exposed to something and learns it, okay. But after this, it changes and you need to put focus, like really strong, like focus and motivation into something to change your brain, right? And that, that's why it gets so hard when you get older to change your habits. So when you're still in this, let's say, in this quitting habit, it gets a bit harder when we get older. But once you have the tools, right, and, and, and tools in a way, I mean, like really structured, st structured set of tools and skills, which then you, you learn, obviously, over time, and uh, then you will get better, right? You quit one time less, one time, next time less, next time. It's the same thing. It's like... It's like everyday work, right? The brain is just uh, amazing. I always say that, that uh, you know, when you say everything goes into entropy, into like chaos, right? Then you need to put energy into it to put it into a system, right? To, to put it back into a structure. Because by nature, everything goes into chaos. If it's the body, if you don't train it, just, right? <laughs> brain, same thing. It just just falls apart and you need to put energy in it. And, and we understand that about the body, but often we don't understand that about the brain that it's like everyday work. And also I always um, really emphasize a lot on, on finding your people, whatever it takes right, to find your people. If it's, if it's like Facebook groups or whatever, some doing some new courses or going out. Some, there's always, there's, there's so many people in this world and we, we live in this, this small world mindset very often. We're in a village, I'm from a village. I was like that, like a tiny time. And I thought, oh my God, these people are so important until I moved away and I went to New York and I spent so many years in New York and all over the world and New Zealand and all those places. I mean, 42 countries. And I said, wow, my God, there's so many people you can connect to right like force you need to force your yourself to open up like when in Bud buddhism you say you can contract or you can expand 
And that's so beautiful because we want to contract, right? We have this feeling. There are some people who expand by nature and there are some people, and I'm including myself, who by nature more contract when there's something off. I contract, I, I re retrieve, and I'm like, oh, people would say, how did you get into a European K1 champion? <laughs> because I'm dedicated, you know, and I have will and I have dedication and discipline. Right, and that's and that's like everyday work. It's like this this little. Um, my mom always calls it the, the little ant work. You know, I'm this little ant, like working every day. And she's like that, like working every day to step further. And I, I wish people to understand that that just we have to do our work. So something similar to the whole uh, be one percent better tomorrow than you are today. Absolutely, it's so. I love this. It's so true. It's exactly, look, 1% is nothing. But then over the days and weeks and months, that's exactly the changes. And also what, what, what is so important, like, you know, this, this, this topic of self-love or self-compassion, right? It's to, because when you get 1%, like we, we don't, don't enough, we don't put enough love to ourselves, right? We don't bring enough love to us for those little changes. We always compare to external, right? To, to some people on Facebook, some people on Instagram, who some of them are real, some of them not. Doesn't even matter, right? Because it's not us, right? Doesn't even matter. But we compare it and we want to do those big jumps. And, and then we don't bring enough compassion to ourselves. So we're like, oh, look, right? Look how far you came. You went those little tiny steps and that's exactly it. 1%. For true. Well, I mean, it's so important because like, like you said, like you get involved in a course, uh, let's say you get involved in a business course and all of a sudden you're expecting to be making $10,000 in a month, yeah. but you don't understand that, you know, there is a process that you need to put yeah. yourself in. Like you can't start kickboxing tomorrow and expect the next day to be world champion. It's not going to happen. There is exactly. a huge long process that you need to put yourself through. Yeah. Speaking about kickboxers, that's what probably one of the hardest lives to be leading because there's so many distractions, especially for young kids. Like I'm no spring chicken myself. Like I'm well into my forties. So, and looking back, I had so many opportunities to go become a professional fighter, but I chose not to because it's like I said, it's not the easiest life. So what did you, as a, pro, as, a, as, a, as a pro fighter, what did you find the hardest thing to give up? The food. <laughs> <laughs> you will, it's, it's really, and I, I can tell you why. So I think, uh, yeah, a lot of fighters would still agree for sure because we all struggle. Like the diet is just really hard. Like the whole... <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to, to cut so much weight. But also because 15 or 20 years ago, we did not have, maybe we had some knowledge, but we didn't apply it to our sport, right? And we did all kinds of crazy diets, like not eating, starving ourselves, basically. And I starved myself, and I talked on many other podcasts about that topic. I starved myself for 12 years, 15 years. Like I walked around with way too much weight i fought with too, uh, too little weight uh, i f i fought and walked around like because i i didn't have like okay 
this is why I'm powerful and I'm strong and then I'm cutting the weight. I always like was under like malnutrition, basically, right? Wrong kind of nutrition and too little. And so that was the, the, the hardest thing for me because I didn't get any food, basically. That was for my, the philosophy of my team and it really, really crushed my body. Brought my hormones uh, out of balance a lot. Like towards the end of my career, I had a lot of problems with my body. I had inflammation because obviously I lost all my muscle mass and then in exchange, I got a lot of fat. So I was like, all of a sudden I lost all my muscles. All right. And I, I looked terrible, flat, like, and I'm, I'm a big, strong girl by nature. And the last years I came back, I took a break and I started also my, my relationship to food changed. So now I eat a lot and I train a lot and I feel amazing and I feel I have big legs and great. I love it. I love it. I just feel like I walk around and I can carry my own body, right? And this head, <laughs> right? And the weight of life. <laughs> but it's true. It's kind of a little bit true, right? You get stronger physically. Of course, you mentally, you can carry the weight of life better. But yeah, that, that was hard to give up. But in general, you know, it depends, again, what kind of personality you are. Because I am a, let's say, a communicative or a, a social introvert. So by life, I don't need like, I, I'm not a huge party fan. I'm not, I don't need to see a lot of people. So for me, the fighting lifestyle, because it was routine, getting up, training, eating, sleeping, uh, doing schoolwork, university later and then work. But uh, like it was, I was a professional fighter. So I was, was all kind of uh, accustomed to, to my trainings. And uh, I loved that lifestyle. Maybe not the 6 a.m. runs, <laughs> not a big runner, <laughs> but still not. And I don't do it anymore, actually. The moment I quit fighting, I was like, yep, first thing I quit is diet and running. <laughs> and I went to lift the big weights and eat a lot of food. <laughs> so I'm like four or five weight classes up now. Um, but uh yeah but for me for me it was okay because i loved i loved that routine and i love that i can read my book and go train and then that's just that's just how i am I, I still still work the same i work i read i walk my dogs i go ice bathing and uh, see my mom and then go back <laughs> that's, i do the same things and, and i like that and for people like me fighting lifestyle is amazing so. yeah i'm the same uh Part of the reason was the food and the diet. I'm like, no, uh, I, I love food way too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there are some countries and I know some people who have actually gone over to Thailand and mm -hmm. trained in Thailand. And like you said, they actually starve the fighters. Like I know some places in other parts of the world that if you don't win your fight, you're not eating. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, that's yeah. We're in the Western world here. We have definitely lucky we spoiled we're, we're very yeah. lucky and you actually said something about 15 years ago that uh the fighting world didn't really have the proper knowledge when it came to food and diet do you mm -hmm. think that the supplementation also has a role and how do you see that has that increased the the, the capacity for a fighter to be at his or her peak performance so I'm, I 
absolutely not an expert in that, right? That's that's I think one of the fears I know the least from when it comes to like because I'm a skill coach, right? So I'm a kickboxing and striking coach and I'm a mental performance coach. So yes, I know the basics, but I me personally I can't tell you a lot about that, but I know a lot of good people <laughs> who are very good experts in that. And they obviously they swear on it. And, and I know it when they tell me like, okay, do the BCAs and I still uh, different thing, ashwagandha, all kinds of, of different things, right? Because you can have something for your nerve system. I mean, that, as you know, I mean, as many physiological function we have that, that many supplements there are. And I know there's a lot of shit out there, but there are some really good companies and that's the important thing, right? To, to, to talk to someone who need, really knows their, their things. And if you want someone on that, <laughs> like that on, a, on your podcast, I can refer you a few people who are just about that topic, world class. That's so, nice. <laughs> and I, I think you can do like, new tropics, you know, for, for the brain stuff, for the nervous system, like all kinds of, of body systems, right? That I know. That once you know you're doing the same like with nutrition, once you know really, and not the basics, once you know, right, you can do, you can, I mean, you can heal so many, many illnesses with that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I can send you some, some of my nice. friends, they're experts in that. <laughs> That'd be really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you also touched up on something uh, about uh, being able to limit the amount of distractions. Mm-hmm. Now, we are so inundated with so many distractions. Um, as a fighter, how would you do that and just like zone out the rest of the world so you can focus on your task? That's um, that's basically one of the hardest skills to learn, right? To focus on your task to understand and to be in control what kind of distractions you let in what kind of you leave of what you leave out but that's why mm, mindful awareness that's why i'm such a mindful like i said deliberate mindful practitioner mindfulness practitioner because uh to cultivate mindful awareness right to let's say uh, I like that definition of uh, John Kabat-Zinn of mindfulness, like paying attention to the present moment, non-judgmentally and on purpose, right? If you know that skills, like, because attention, where, where our attention goes, our energy goes, right? So that's the first thing, because when you distract it, it means your attention goes everywhere and you have no control about your attention process, right? That's one thing, like paying attention, like, on purpose, right? So purposely to stay, to learn to stay on the task. And that's a skill, right? That means like basically what we do in mindfulness practice, we learn to redirect our attention back on something we can call it an anchor, for example. Then the anchor can be body sensations, it can be breathing, uh, it can be uh, in general the senses, right? It can be hearing sense, something to, to look at. Uh, so you're building an anchor where you can come back to and that, that's something we can learn. We can set our anchors and we can learn to practice, to redirect our attention. And uh, that's a skill I train a lot with my fighters. And you started, let's say, in your little practice, short practice at home. And then you bring that practice maybe to the gym. And then you do the, so they sit and meditate and do their, their mindfulness practices. And then the next step, 
they do, for example, mindfulness practice while moving. So they do shadow boxings, uh, shadow boxing, and their task is to stay in their body. Right. For example, they do shadow boxing, count their breaths, <laughs> shadow boxing, and uh, bring the attention to the feet, like all kinds of different exercises we do. And then, so you build that skill, right? And after a while, they spar, and I can tell them, like, okay, pay mindful attention to this or to that. And here they are, right? So you, you build that skill from, from practice at home, and then uh, you build it up. And um, also, uh, when it comes about, I like the, like also like the non-identification or the non-judgment aspect also, because we are distracted very often because we, we have this tendency, you know, to identify with everything what's going on. Right? This is, or, or not with it, also identify and judge it, right? In a way like, okay, this is good. This is bad. This is amazing. And that is something which like, because when we judge something means we have, so we put a lot of emotions and feelings into it, right? And what, wherever we put our feelings and emotions in, that will distract us because it's such one of the strongest signals in our brain and body, right? And to, this, to learn to disidentify, to observe things, right? To be the observer, like, no, you're not the object, right? You're the observer of the object. To learn that and to judge less, right? To maybe to label and say, okay, joy is here, anger is here, whatever is here, or that person is here I don't like. Maybe it's a bit judgment, but <laughs> just that person. Let's label that person I don't like, right? Which you still judge. Now, I'm, I'm joking, but, you know, because I don't want people to understand that you have to be a Zen Buddha, right? It's all like, I'm a mindfulness teacher, and sometimes my mom sits in the car and she looks over to me, she's like, I was not very mindful. And you know how often she says that? And I'm like, oh, yep, thanks for the reminder. And that's it, right? The mind, you always redirect it. You train those skills. And yeah, I think that's when it comes also um, because of the distractions of the world, right? Facebook, Instagram, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of people talking to us, right? That's why mindful awareness is such a, such a powerful practice. Do you think this is why the, um, I could say easily 98% of all martial arts have the esoteric aspect to it to keep you focused on your task? For sure. For sure. Like it, it's one of the, the basics, right, of all martial arts. Like that's one of the, but we lost it, right? We, we kind of, that's the lost art, right? The mental and the philosophy part of the martial arts. It's like it's the physical and it got, I think we're getting back there. As I, I speak um, for MMA and for kickboxing. We're getting back there. So people start to understand. And in other sports, let's say in basketball or in soccer, they do it a lot more. They, they practice a lot more of the philosophy of the mindfulness aspect, focus. And uh, the MMA guys are getting back to some getting more work now. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> they understand that we need to go back to the roots and actually... We're laughing here about um, people like, for example, Israel Adesanya, which I uh, had the pleasure to work with when I was in New Zealand, right? To train with them, to train with that team and uh, work with them. It was, um, he definitely, uh, maybe in this, on social media, on media, <laughs> he might be not as mindful, but very aware, very mindful guy, actually. He knows exactly. And he controls his mind very well. And he's actually a true martial artist in the way how he functions. And uh, actually, a lot of the top level fighters, you see some kind 
of those characteristics might sometimes doesn't come out in the media uh, because as you know sometimes they they I'm not a big fan of that right of the sh of the trash talk and and things but people tell them to do other things which they maybe wish for right so so yeah. these fighters are told to be doing the trash talking I understand why it's just yeah I'm not saying here, not that you say that I said Adesanya in the same day that he's got told. That's not what I'm saying here, just to make it clear, um, because he's absolutely his own oh, boss when so that. I'm not saying that Adesanya is hmm. telling his fighters. I'm just saying the, 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 see how can I say this without getting anybody in trouble? <laughs> um, the promoters, because, um, hmm. If you look at it, if you look at the entire, uh, like like we were talking before, the evolution of MMA, it's kind mm -hmm. of mimicking on the evolution of how boxing was with a trash talking before the fight and then the build up, and then boom, we have the fight. So without putting like a sticker or a label on, on you know, one MMA thing and mm -hmm. another MMA thing, do you think that, they actually made that connection that that buildup actually helped promote the MMA. Yeah, sure. Sure. Obviously that's marketing purposes, right? Most of the fighters, they're, they're pretty relaxed <laughs> because they train sometimes three times a day, right? When you train three times a day, your mind and your body, and you do that for, for five, six days and you do that for 10 years, <laughs> Like you're pretty, pretty relaxed. You're pretty in tune with yourself. You know yourself. You work on it, especially when you go really higher in the rankings, right? Um, when you go more to the top level, because you you have to reflect on yourself. You have to face yourself, right? Where you have to know who you are. And when you know who you are truly, and you know your meaning, you know your purpose, and you know your path. That's where you usually do not have so much issues with people, right? So, so most of them are pretty relaxed but it's of course it's kind of expected it's everybody is different right every promotion is a little bit different but it's it's people like to see that also uh the the people who watch it right they like those emotions a lot of people think they don't have enough emotions in their life or they have just negative so they want other people <laughs> to have negative emotions they identify with that very well there's a lot of uh, of part like things a lot of different energies going on there in that topic but yeah it it is like supported not not every promoter and obviously not every coach because otherwise we would all kill each other so most most of the martial arts people uh, if it's the promoters the coaches especially on a top level are really mindful people and they know they're pretty conscious about uh what we're doing why we're doing it and why we're what we are here for so but yeah it is supported and you know the media right <laughs> so yeah. why would we even question that the media <laughs> is itself questionable so I know. It just yeah. reflects, right? It's the same what goes on in politics. It's the same what goes on in sports. I mean, sports is politics in a way, right? So, to a certain extent, yes. Um, I'm not a fan of politics, and I try and stay away from it, like a cold, like a really yeah, bad too. cold. <laughs> me too. Um, yeah. Touching on the mind and body connection practices, what's the best uh, i think we touched up on this a little bit let's let's 
deep a little bit, let's dig a little bit more deeper in uh, some of the breathing techniques. Um, would you, how would you start somebody off? Let's say, let's say, you know, they're going to work and they're, they're experiencing a bully at work because it happens, happens more often mm -hmm. than not. So how would you uh, try to keep the person like connected with themselves rather than being consumed by the bully? So two uh, general strategies you can do, right? You can go when there is an external stressor, you can go internal, right? You can focus like interoception in general, like you can, you, you bring your perception to your internal states, right? Which sometimes doesn't work because our internal states get more and more and more, more aroused because we pressure it. But then or also like the second strategy is like to focus externally to redirect your attention, right? Those are the, the two main strategies. And both we have to know and I use them, I guess, both of them in the same room. So sometimes when someone's really annoying me, then I just focus my attention on something completely different, right? But when it's in your face, it, sometimes you can't focus around, right? You can't, you can't also walk away from situations. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of walking away, um, but you can't do that in work, right? You can't quit every job where you have a colleague or a boss, right? It's just not, we don't have the freedom. But uh, to focus internally, right, to, to bring your attention, again, on internal anchors. And we're getting, again, to that. It's like, it's the breathing, can be the senses, but you narrow down your focus, right? Because what happens is, in general, when we feel overwhelmed by someone, when we feel overwhelmed by a person, it's obviously not the person itself. The person's just a person in this outside world, just the perception, right? It's everything what's going on in our head. And there's like, there's the thoughts, there's the feelings, then there's our, our self-image, right? Usually when someone really threatens us in some kind of way, it's like there's something like there's some something about our self-image, it's about our ego, there's a lot, lot of things going on, right? So we cannot disconnect uh, from that, but we can, again, it's about switching and redirecting our attention and our perception, right? That's one of the crucial skills in everything we do. Like to be able to say, okay, this person is extremely annoying and maybe it freaks me out. Maybe I'm really actually scared of this person or about, about my position. Maybe it's a person of, which is in dominance, right? But, and I know it's such a martial art thing to say, but like you can control your inner state. Right? You can learn to control your inner states. And what a lot of people also don't understand is like when something creates this, this, uh, this um, emotional state in you, right? And your nervous system is overtaxing, then the thoughts are racing up, right? It's not um, very often we think it's like the thoughts are coming and then the nervous system reacts, right? And then we get all stressed and our heart rate goes up. But it's also the other way very often that our nervous system, our body reacts to someone, right? So it's again, our evolutionary priming, maybe there's some someone who wants to hurt us in a psychological or physiological way, right? So our body reacts. 
So what we can do, we can learn they're different and there are many beautiful practices where we can learn to lower our heart rate, right? To lower our breathing rate, vision activation, like I said, peripheral vision activation, connecting to our body, body scans or all kinds of uh, exercises where we connect to, to body, to some body parts, like to bring, to change the perspective, perspective on that, right? To go more internal. And that, that's a real skill. And there are so many beautiful exercises where you, how you can do that. Well, I think it's like completely relevant coming from a martial artist, from a martial artist, because uh, you guys are exposed to it repeatedly. Like, yeah. like I said before, like there is stuff that goes on in a locker room and even before the locker room that the public doesn't know about. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I remember when I read um, Ken Shamrock's book, Inside the Lion's Den, you have like in the night, I'm talking about when UFC first started in the 90s <laughs> of fighters crying and throwing up and wanting to just yeah. say enough is enough. And these guys are the toughest of the tough. Yeah, and they're like, "That's it, I quit," and I want. They wanted to leave, and they would go into the octagon and win their fight. So, but because, like you said, like we, they've consistently been inside that kind of emotion. They kind of know to expect it. Mm -hmm. So, what are some of your favorite tools that you would use for somebody in that kind of state of mind? So when, let's say we go back to the locker room, right? When I have a fighter who's like really stressed out and he gets like, maybe, maybe he doesn't cry, but uh, he gets very quiet. All of a sudden, this guy who talks a lot the whole day, he gets very quiet and, you know, we have an eye on this guy. <laughs> when he gets more quiet and they get smaller and smaller and smaller, like physically, really, right? Crunch. And uh, when you see that, there are, again, two strategies you can do. Or you go internally, so breathing techniques, right? You focus on the breathing. You uh, do some relaxation. You can, you can do some yoga moves. You can do yoga and breathing. You talked about that, like movement and breathing, such a powerful tool, right? To bring it together, to synchronize your body. You can do that. You, uh, sometimes you need to talk them down, right? To have a really talk, to have this one-to-one -one talk. And in that moment, you have to be like the mom. <laughs> In my case, I have to talk like a mom and sometimes I have to talk like a coach and slap them, right? It depends. Like that, that's my, actually my sensitivity, which I have to have. I have to know when I have to be the mom and when I have to slap that guy and tell him to go out and kill that MF, <laughs> right? That's just part. That, that's the beauty of my, my, my work. It's just like it's so um, diverse. But yeah, so you can go internal. And again, there's the vision exercises, the breathing exercises, there's all kinds of yoga exercises, all kinds of th those things. But then also, and don't underestimate it. And I call it shake with it exercise. <laughs> That's actually one of my exercises in my MAP program. Don't underestimate this thing, go with the flow. So when you, when you nerves, right, when they get, when you get really uh, anxious, and I tell that also people, for example, my, my clients who are in business who are about to go into the board meetings. Sometimes, yes, it's good to go um, internal and try to lower your breathing rate, to lower your heart rate, everything good. 
but there are moments where that it just doesn't work because it's so much stress you know right it comes up it gets your throat gets tight and like it's you like oh my god you're about to die right and then you go up and you shake with it and you flow with it and that's for the people here some of my clients were like this is this is effing ridiculous you want me to what like yeah i want you to get up and shake shake the whole body you know when you do there's actually a yoga practice which i didn't do but i heard about that where they do some shaking the whole body shaking to uh get an energy flow going and that's basically exactly it so i tell my clients to go up and shake 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 and breathe really hard and shake because your body is already in this arousal level, right? Your body is already, oh my God, oh my God, panicking. <laughs> like, maybe it's shut down already, but let's say it's, it didn't shut down yet, right? Still alive, still fighting there, right? And hey, you get up and you do something. And even when you're in your suit or in your dress and you kick off your shoes, right? You kick off your high heels and you shake. You go to a room so you can do it on, on in the restroom. You shake with it. Shake, 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 shake. Because what it, what it will do it's like when our internal state, our arousal level is so high, our brain needs to understand why it is like this. So when you sit still and inside there's a whole thunderstorm going on, your brain will make up even more thoughts about why there's for sure something going on, why there's for sure some dramatic situation. And I'm about to die for sure. I could see that coming. That I knew it. That guy looked so mean and he will come for me, right? You know your brain. <laughs> it could be that on the other side, that guy thinks like, oh, this girl's amazing. I really want to hire her. But it doesn't matter. Your brain makes them like the worst person. You know how it is, right? The story. So, so I know I'm like making so much jokes, but, but it's kind of exactly like that, right? That the brain talks shit. And it will find even when, when your body feels stressed, reacts more, the brain will find something why you should be stressed. So shake with it. It's so simple that it's almost unbelievable. But you go and people then do it, like the fighters do it. They shake, they do all kinds of crazy movements. And you feel first, like you feel so crazy that you sometimes they get it. You can be, you get a smile because you feel so crazy about yourself. So you're shifting already the mindset, right? Because you feel so ridiculous. But also, most important, your brain now, because you're moving, your brain knows, aha, yeah, there's a reason why you should be aroused, right? And there's this, um, this understanding between mind and body. The mind knows exactly. Now when you move here, obviously the heart rate is up. Oh, obviously you sweat. And it's such a simple exercise, but it's a great trick. It's a game changer, actually. That's awesome. That kind of explains uh, why one of the – one of the I can easily call him one of the best UFC fighters currently uh, walks the way he walks when he walks into the octagon where he's shaking his arms. He's just preparing himself to get into it. Now, whether what he does in the locker room, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit and w let's talk about something that we talked about before we started recording this, ice baths. So what oh. is, I can't stand the cold. <laughs> and asking me to jump into a freezing cold lake is going to be the probably one of the toughest things, but I do know it's super, 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 super healthy for you. So what makes it so healthy for somebody to take an ice bath? So first on a mental level, right? Um, 
most of us don't do <laughs> don't like the ice cold right i just i just went today for a 10 minutes dip until really here like shoulders down like the neck and it always hurts like when the like next and i was here 10 minutes and it was two degrees celsius so, so it was pretty cold but it obviously it's not minus 10 like you said <laughs> in toronto so there's still some levels to that but it was freezing cold and it's just the mind because the mind wants to stay in its comfort zone we all know that right so going into the eyes it's just like it's just this again it's this uh natural evolution um response a strong response of like no like this is this is dangerous this is not good for me and we have this this old way of thinking like oh we get sick when we get cold and which yeah when you get for 20 hours you you maybe lie in the snow <laughs> might be not good right but Wim Hof the master of the Iceman right will tell you something else <laughs> he can right but yeah if you want to you, you're not staying there for 20 hours you stay there for 10 20 minutes out there and um yes it's like th this mindset to overcome that blocks I, that's that's such a powerful tool for me the, the, because there's there's barely something as uncomfortable than sitting in the ice cold water and uh, it doesn't get really better the mindset gets better because i know now after this i feel so amazing and right you have the dopamine and the adrenaline rush so so that's amazing and that's already it's such a beautiful tool a natural tool to get that dopamine and adrenaline release and the next thing why is obviously the inflammation right cold helps you to calm down. I can see it, for example, like that uh, every part of my body was really injured hurts, like then it starts hurting really when I get out. And that's normal, but it helps obviously with our body. But also what I like in it, when you go into the cold water, right, you do a bit of breathing, you should, like it's, it's good to do your breathing. So in this cold water, you have this um, adrenaline response, right? The adrenaline is released, the stress response. But you have to stay calm. Otherwise, you just run out. <laughs> There's more. Yeah, you can go in and run out. <laughs> it might be not too effective, right? So you have to stay. And you think like in this, like today, for example, was a really hot day for me. From I was cold the whole day. So I was sitting at uh, my computer and I didn't move a lot. And sometimes you have just those days when you're cold. And it, it was, oh my God, I... On the way there, I wanted to turn away three times. Ah, let's go shopping. I have I have to go shoot food shopping and, and this and that. But obviously, I make it. I'm a mental performance coach. I, <laughs> I get there. I get to the goal. So I walk into the water. And for 10 minutes, usually, you know, when you go into the water, you get this uh, warm, right after a while, that gets this, the heat wave is coming. I didn't get it at all. There are some days where you don't get the heat wave. I don't know how. <laughs> the, my, my fighters who were with me there, they were like, coach, you have to stay another half an hour. Then the heat wave will come. <laughs> Shut up. Right? So I was sitting there for 10 minutes waiting for the heat wave to come. And they're like, you still don't look better. I'm like, yes, because it's not better. But I stayed there. And I managed, even when I have this adrenaline rush, I have like the adrenaline response which we have when we're in stress, right? Sympathetic nervous system is really active, but you stay calm. So in your mind, you stay calm. And that's, that's because it's easy to stay calm when your body is calm, right? I mean, when you're really relaxed and you just got a massage, it's, it's really, yeah, usually you get out and your mind is calm. You feel like you're such a calm person. But if something annoys you and stresses you and freaks you out, 
it's not so easy to be calm. And the eyes, all those extreme things like that, when you sit there, you train exactly that, that uh, situation, that your body's under stress, but your mind stays calm, right? You talk yourself down. So I talked myself through 10 minutes of not getting warm at all. And then another half an hour, to believe it or not, I don't know what happened today, Half an hour, I didn't feel my toes. I was like, I couldn't even walk. You know, when you walk, you can't feel your toes. <laughs> Until I got home. And then I, I took a hot shower to warm up my feet also. And then it was okay. And I felt amazing. Rest of the day, I had my, you know, I was uh, sitting at a computer 11 hours today. And I'm doing a podcast at the end of the day today. So very, like, there's a lot of cognitive work going on. And I felt amazing. I felt refreshed. I felt like I've done it. I, um, yeah, my, my prefrontal cortex was activated. Everything was great. So it's, there's so many benefits. That's awesome. Um, like, like I told you before, like we actually have um, where we take like a ice bucket, bucket fill of ice water, and we just dump it over our heads. I don't yeah. like that. So I just tried, you know, from hot shower to cold shower. I still don't like that. And just dump, jumping into a lake, ugh. Oof. Well, yeah, you. but then on the but then on the other hand, honestly, how many times you know that, and everybody knows that. How many times when you went out of your comfort zone, there was the like the best times you had. Like how many times you did it, you know, you you do it, and then it's just like it just feels good to do something which is not comfortable, like to go out of the zone because we are lazy and we're too comfortable. I agree with you. I just, I don't <laughs> like the cold, but I still do it. And like you said, like every time I, every time, like I take that um, hot shower and make it cold, I just sit in it for like a minute or two. And I'm like, once I come out, I'm, I feel great doing it for half an hour. Yeah, but, but no, no, I, I'm not staying half an hour. I, I stayed 10 minutes today. But you know what? And that's a funny thing, how, how our brain reacts because our brain is conditioned to, uh, to uh, environments condition us, right? So uh, when you're out of your cozy bed and you go to the shower, you usually expect nice warm water to wake up. It's so nice and flows over your body, right? So you're conditioned to this completely soft and, and relaxed situation. You love it. So actually, I rather go to do the ice bath for 20 minutes, sitting in the lake, freezing cold, than doing a two-minute ice shower. I have the bigger problem with doing a two-minute shower at home than to go like twice a week, let's say, to, to, um, into the cold lake for 20 minutes. To drive there, to undress myself. Today was windy, so it was already cold <laughs> undressing myself. Just to walk to the water, I was already... <laughs> completely stiff <laughs> but look how it is right and again conditioning our brain is, expects a nice warm shower it's amazing it's cozy and uh, I that's actually a bigger challenge for me than staying for 20 minutes in this lake so our brains are tricky we yes, know that it is. <laughs> um, one more question that will start to end off the show uh, mm -hmm. I don't want to keep you too long I know it's I know it's late over there so but um, we also have this thing that when you do the cold shower, the cold water dousing, mm -hmm. that your immune system actually gets super fired up and helps, mm -hmm. dis helps just turn right on. Yeah. How often do you get sick? 
you know what? Actually, I was talking with my mom about that. I wasn't sick for over a year, like nothing. And Wim Hof, right, Iceman, he's, I think he's the guy who's most researched when it comes to cold therapy, ice therapy, all kinds of freezing <laughs> craziness. Um, I mean, there, there are really, really good studies, right? There's so good research behind that, that exactly when you go into this cold water, your immune system fires up, right? It fires up, gets activated, and you just, you get healthier, you get a healthier immune, immune system. It. and uh, I definitely feel it also I mean obviously I eat healthy I move almost every day if I don't move a day I feel it and it, it's not like I, I'm not running a marathon obviously but I walk I walk my dogs I, I'm active I go do yoga I don't think I'm especially because I was fighting 15 years professional uh, 12 years professionally but I think I was fighting for 15 16 years so uh, <laughs> I've done a lot and I feel actually with less training now better than when I when I was a fighter. But obviously because I've done some some stuff wrong, which I see with my fighters now. Thankfully they do it the right way and they're great. They're much greater than I've ever wished to be, and I'm really proud of them. But um, I think it's a lifestyle. It's also the mindset, right? You shift your mindset more to um, task oriented, positive, right? You don't want to be too much. We call it like a mindfulness, the automatic pilot. Because when you're in your automatic pilot and you just go every day, do the same things in the same way, you're not conscious, not aware of that. Obviously, there comes a lot of negativity into your head, right? And as we know, negative thoughts, negative mindset immediately suppress also the immune system. So there are, there are a lot of things why you can work on not getting sick. Cool. Very cool. So like I said, we're going to start to wrap up the show. And I always ask my guests these uh, six or seven questions just to get their insight on current stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so with the increasing, with the increase of in people suffering from depression, from the lockdowns, what was, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? To keep their hopes up, it's actually hard for me to say because you would say this will pass by, right? We know that everything, there's nothing, there's uh, nothing stays the same in life. And that's a good thing. Everything changes and there will be a time where in some kind of way things are changing. But I would say maybe to keep your hopes up, yes, but like do stuff for yourself. Like read new things, learn new things, move even when you're, when you're in this whole lockdown, really, when you can't leave the house, move in the house, do something and bring again, self-love and compassion to yourself. And then your hopes will grow because you, you, you will get a more positive mindset. Awesome. Where do you see the mindful athlete program in the next five years? I hope to inspire the world. And uh, I see it like that. That that um, that program has huge potential. I came up with a system. That system works. Is proven. And uh, I mean, that's my that's my purpose, right? I, my purpose is to make people's lives better. To make them understand that who you are today, you don't have to be tomorrow. And uh, mindful athlete program in five years millions of people will do it know it and uh, it's like Wim Hof with with his uh, with his eyes so 
I want to be the female Wim Hof. <laughs> <laughs> He's much cooler than me, though. But I, I don't know. I wouldn't say that. I don't say that. I think you're pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what about you personally? Where do you see yourself in five years? Hopefully, I will be kind of in peace. Like, I still want to work hard and do new things and be challenged. But uh, I would like to be even more in peace. Well, I'm kind of in peace with myself. But I think there's still a lot, um, a lot more potential. And uh, I want to love myself, to respect myself. Uh, I want to work on all those things because I think there's, there's never enough self-love, like the true love, right? We're not talking about the ego. Just about, I want to look into the mirror and say, hey, little Daria, you're a pretty cool person. And if you're not, then you can change it. And if you're not, you just, you have your mom. She tells you that. <laughs> My mom gives me a straight slap, like stay on track. So yeah, I want, want to be like good to myself, with myself, because then I know I can give everything to the world. That's awesome. It's like the old saying, um, if you can't love yourself, then you can't love anyone else. Very so true. That is so true. Yeah. That's very good. Um, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? Stop stressing over stupid shit. <laughs> My 20 year old would understand that. Hopefully that kind of language, right? Really like stop stressing um, because everything will unfold just right. And you are who you are because of the path you walk and really enjoy the path enjoy the path because it just goes by so fast. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, looking back, would you change anything? <sighs> you know, as my spirit told me, I would say, no, everything should have been brought me here. Right. <laughs> kind of, I believe that. No, I believe that. Right. Every step brought me here to who I am, but I still, again, coming back to the other question, I would, maybe change really a bit of my mindset of um, being more grateful and just being more okay with myself, just uh, that I, I'm doing it at my own pace and I need my own experiences and that's just how it is. Uh, what keeps you up at night? You mean positive or negative? Negative. <laughs> because it, what keeps me positively up is uh, reading research, but negatively, what stresses me at night? Yeah. Um, the world, like I feel the world pain quite a lot. <laughs> I feel it that the world is in pain and uh, all the nature and the animals and obviously so many humans. And that sometimes keeps me awake at night because I just, I feel it. I, I kind of feel it deeply in my mind and body and heart. So yeah, that keeps me awake sometimes. Um, I actually, I actually heard another interview on another podcast somewhere else, and they asked a similar question like that, and uh, they gave um, a similar answer. And the guy that explained it was, "This world is actually might be going into a." is going into a new age and what we're experiencing now are the birth pangs of this new world. Mm. So I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you because I, I have the same issues too with like looking at the world 
the state that it's in it's like we're killing each other and all this but i also understand that like this is this these are the birth pangs of a new world so Mm. it kind of helps me a little bit more no but you're very right i mean there is a consciousness shift right there's all over the world this huge consciousness shift going on we're getting more conscious we're more aware we're more connected we understand a bit more how we're all here connected and uh definitely and, and look like even when i get sad obviously but i i think that in that moment look um how many people we are and how many people live in peace like by that amount of people we are here in this world is still quite peaceful right we could have like it could be a whole craziness a whole <laughs> yeah yeah. It would be. It could be much more worse. So, so I believe definitely in the good in people, and I think we are. We have much more good and bad in us. But yeah, still uh, keeps me awake sometimes. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, where can people find more about you? Since my website is still not ready, <laughs> the new website. Uh, the other one is under construction. So the new website. And the Mindful Athlete program um, in this newest form will come up in around four weeks. Uh, and until then, people can find me on Instagram and Facebook. It's Daria Albers. There are not many of them in the world. <laughs> so, so far, it's just one on Facebook and one on Instagram. And uh, yeah, they can find me there. And I like to share my knowledge, my uh, passion for people and my dogs. <laughs> and philosophy so yeah i like to share that but then yeah maybe if people are interested i invite them in four weeks to check out my website and a new program awesome and uh for everybody listening out there we will be sharing all her current links with the show notes and when i get the updated links i will update the show notes as well so they have easy access to you and all your amazing programs especially the, the mindful athlete program Thank you. Of course. Um, any final thoughts? Thank you for having me. Thank you for giving me the possibility to to share my life experience, some of the things I do, uh, what I believe in. I think it's 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 important and it's nice to share. So thank you for this possibility. And I hope that uh, I could bring some value to the people because it's also really important for me to give people something to think about, uh, to grow, to evolve, to uh, some positivity. That's for me, uh, it's my personal mission. So I hope people get out something of that. (laughs) Well, Daria, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate everything that you do. Um, It's a great honor to have you on my show as well for like uh, a guy who's been in martial arts is pretty much his entire life. It's it's really important to, to for people to understand uh, the hardships that uh, especially professional fighters go through, um, they just they they just see the end result. They don't see everything mm. else that goes behind it, and it's yeah. it's it's super important to see all the struggles that go with becoming that final product. So, I appreciate you for doing all the hard work that you do, um, and for Thank being you. on this show. Thank you very much. Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories just like yours. Until then, 
to everyone out there listening. I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share this with your friends and family members. If you know of someone who is suffering from depression, please share this with them as well, as it may help them realize that there is help out there and that they are not alone. Also, please be so kind and give us a five-star rating on wherever you may be listening and some comments as your feedback is highly appreciated. Thank you again for supporting our mission to speak out and find solutions about men's mental health issues and stay tuned for more amazing stories from real people that are just like you.